0: The Anything Arty Show, every Thursday from 8 till 9 on Waiheke Radio, 88.3 and 107.4 FM. That's the Anything Arty Show, sponsored by the Artist Goldsmith Studio Connections on Iroa. Call in to see Christine's latest designs or phone 372-7809 to discuss a commission.
1: Yes, and welcome along to another Anything Artist show here on Waiheke Radio 88.3 and 107.4 FM. And on the show, we have a conversation with Brett Oakes, who's an artist-in-residence at the Incubator, which is a new space uh, for artists opened up at the Artworks Complex, just down from where we are in the White House. And uh, so we'll be having a chat with Brett in a moment or two, and then also we'll be looking at uh, what's on at the movies... Um, a little bit about what else is happening around some of the galleries on the island. We'll have some time for some book readings from the Penguin Blogger Club. But first let's have a look uh what's happening around the island at the moment. There's a few things on. Um, oh, we've, we've talked a couple of times on the show about uh, photographers and the, the calibre of the pho- photographers we have on the island, uh, award winners um, extraordinaire and there's a uh, excellent story in the marketplace. Uh, this week Lyndall Jeffries covered uh, a piece on uh, Fiona Paddington um, who has been awarded a New Zealand Arts Foundation Laureate Award uh, for her photography work. Um, now if you haven't seen any of Fiona's work um, there's some examples on her website which you can get just by sort of, uh, if you put Fiona Partington, P-A-R-D-I-N-G-T-O-N, uh, into a Google search, um, you'll find her easy enough. Um, I'll put a couple of pics up on the uh, website, at nz. have a look for the, or you'll find it on the podcast page. She's really well known for her uh, native and exotic bird photography. Um... And there's a, a couple of shots uh, that I'll, I'll put up on the um, on the podcast page, which are just stunning. One one of my favourites is uh, such a beautiful shot of a kiwi. It's just it's just phenomenal. Um, and also she's uh, got some stunning um, photographic work of uh, very rare um, haitiki. Now haitiki that's uh, if i'm pronouncing that correctly is often shortened incorrectly to just been called tiki's um but uh high tiki uh the work that and fiona's done in photographing those are usually uh, only held in uh, uh galleries uh, because of the rarity um so some of the, the work she's done with that is quite stunning as well um so uh, again you can check out some more of uh about Fiona and her work, if you have a look at uh, this week's marketplace uh, uh, story on page two. Now, a couple of other things still happening at the moment. Um, Jennifer Fountain's got her exhibition at Upcycle in the small gallery in there. Um, check that one out. It's a jungle out there. Um, it's back at Artworks Theatre. Um, so that's on uh, Friday, so it's on tonight, uh, but it being Thursday the 5th, it's also on Friday the 6th. And Saturday the seventh. So tickets are twenty five dollars. Um, Phone eyesight three seven two one two three four three seven two one two three four. Because you will probably have to book a ticket uh, given the popularity of it before. But anyway, check that out. So that's uh, it's still a jungle out there. It's playing. Um, Ricky's has got a couple of free gigs on on Friday night. Uh, Sorry, he's got one on Friday and one on Saturday. So Friday night's from 8.30 till late. That's uh, DJ Meeks from Los Angeles is playing. Um, And on Saturday, also from 8.30 until late, we've got uh, MCG Fusion. Check those out. Free gigs down at Ricky's. Um, Brushing up on arts, we've got the holiday programme at the Red Shed uh, that's happening. And so, uh, so, what have we got? We've got uh, Monday the 9th, it all starts with kingdoms and castles. So that's uh, stories and adventures, create your own crown for that one. Tuesday the 10th, fabulous fossils. Um, so that's checking out fossils, sand casts. Mermaids and sea serpents is on Wednesday the 11th. Um, for the love of colour is on Thursday the 12th. Butterflies and bugs is on the 13th. Um, backyard orchestra. <laughs> Heaven help the neighbours. Let's make musical mayhem. <laughs> Brilliant. When well, there might mm-hmm. go down there for myself for that one. So that's on the 16th and Thursday the 17th is Scary Skeletons. Um, so all of those are $20 a session. Um, you can check out the details on 372-9367. So that's 372-9367 for the Redshed Summer Programme that goes from the 9th to the 27th of January. Um, or you can email Jen. that's GenuineGen at clear.net.nz. And at the Community Gallery, the Wahiki Summer School starts on the 9th as well, runs through to the 13th, and uh, there's digital photography with Alan Cox, there's jewellery with Andrew Last, and there's drawing and painting with Clive Humphreys. So each of those courses runs for five days. Uh, it goes from Monday the 9th to Friday the 13th, uh, from 9 to 4.30 on each day. And uh, details um, for the Waikiki Summer School through the Community Art Gallery, uh, call 372 Now, earlier today I caught up with uh, Brett Oakes. Brett is currently the artist-in-residence at The Incubator, a new space in Artworks. In fact, it's the space where the radio station used to be. And uh, I was just curious to have a conversation with Brett about what life was like as an artist-in-residence and what The Incubator is all about. Brett, we're actually in the space that's now called The Incubator. It used to be where the radio station was, in fact, down in Artworks. We were here... Uh, before we moved up to the White House. So tell me, what is this space all about?
2: Well, Nancy Thompson is a coordinator here at Artworks and it was conceived by her, she's encouraging and nurturing uh, local artists and art on Waikiki Island. And I okay. uh, thought it was a good idea to to run it through to, before it got demolished really, or it gets demolished in March. Oh right, year. for the library, so it's yes. going to
1: be a, an open space there. Now, um, you, I guess the term would be artist in residence. Is, is is that kind of how it's described? Because you have this space to yourself to use for a while, is that correct? That's right,
2: absolutely And um, I'm here this first week And it started uh, on the 2nd of Jan and I'm through to Sunday And then we have another... Uh, uh, artist coming in, and that's uh, Gorita del Roret. I think I have pronounced her, her name correctly. I'm yeah. glad you did that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in the following week. Uh, starts on the f- up till the 15th, and then we have another local artist who's a textile artist, Janine at Clacken. Right. I think I've I think I pronounced her name right. Sorry, Janine, if I have I've uh, uh, mispronounced that. But look. We're looking for other artists that are coming in after that time. Um, we want to fill up the spots, and um, Nancy Thompson, again, is the coordinator here, and she can be contacted, and I can um, give some contact details at the end of the centre okay. if you like.
1: Yeah, fantastic. That would be brilliant. Now, what's the idea of, of you being here, um, other than... Uh, sitting in the window
2: what 's there <laughs> well it 's a little bit displaying our work uh, what we 've done previously and developing new ideas um, that are always ongoing in an artist 's head and probably just uh, just to show you know how we go about that i 'm um, on the tools here as a sculptor i 'm um, not so i don 't do much painting if any so it's it 's really it 's sort of a bit of a draw card when people see um, so you working hands-on on, on a material they'll, they'll want to know about the material uh, how you work with it how it's been developed um, a little bit outside of what they usually seen it. see it being used right so so, it's,
1: so while you're here you're actually working on pieces that's correct and yes. then and then i as a, as a somebody in press can pop my head in the door and just just interact and by having a conversation with you or just kind of watch what you're doing and, and so, you keep working away while I keep watching you working? Absolutely,
2: it? and I feel totally comfortable doing that. Um, yes, it's it's part of, um, I mean, you may be living in a bit of a goldfish bowl here, and uh, it's part of the fun. Um, if you feel uncomfortable, you'll just stop working and, and talk for a while. Um, so how it, is it's that very relaxed. Oh,
1: yeah, in terms of, uh, I, I, I always imagined artists as being in the midst of a creative process, and it was like, you know, nobody talked to me because I'm. Um, I've got this incredible thing going on that I'm doing. So to have me wander up and going, G'day, how- <laughs> what are you up to?" It's kind of like, like "Why don't you just go away? and just ruined the creation." Do- 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 doesn't you don't mind being interrupted? I no, it must it be different for different artists, I suppose. But
2: I think it is very different. I mean, a lot of art is uh, repetition. Um, it's it's sort of yeah, I, yeah. A lot of it is repetition, and you you sort of switch yourself off a little bit when you're doing certain tasks, like I'm doing some jigsawing at the moment on some timber over there, I've got to concentrate that I follow the pattern or the, the cut very carefully. Um, it's, as long as my, I've got my glasses on the light's very good, you know, I I'm, I'm, I can switch off quite easily. If someone walks in, I can, and it's all part, I think, of that process of sort of being in that, and oh, no, I hate to use the word, but being in that zone a little bit, Yeah, Um being, You've got to take a little bit of possession of the uh, material that you're working with and you become, without sounding like a cliche, you become sort of one with it and you work very closely with it and nothing can really disturb you. you know, The power can go off, there can be thunder and lightning outside, there'll be several people walking past you, that, oh, it's interruptions, jeez, it could be a car crash outside and you won't lift up and, and stop. Right. If an artist gets um, too worried about interruptions, I don't think... Uh, they would never finish a piece of art because okay. there are there's interruptions all the time okay um, you know you 'll see artists hitting the studio they'll have this, this stereo blaring and um, yeah, there, there might be bad light happening, but uh, they'll adjust it's, yeah. it's all part of the part of that sort of um, creativity I think
1: so have you worked in a space like this before in a sort of a, a, a public arena as it were?
2: No, never have. No, And I've never worked with uh, other artists in a, in a public, in a uh, sort of a, a combined studio as well. I think that would actually be harder. Um, yeah, I know it does work for some artists, uh, because you just feed off each other's right. uh, intellect I, and n- uh, n- design n- That's an <laughs> and, and Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, well, my back, first of all, was boat building, um, and that's where I learned my oh, craft yeah. and wow. fiberglass and timber work. And I think um, in the late 20s, when I was in my late 20s, I realised I was a bad sailor. I was only ever going to be a boat builder, but I loved design, so I applied and got into architecture school. And the architecture school is great, or any um, formal art education is great, because you have studios where you do critiques, and um, it can be a constructive or a negative criticism, but... um, you explain your work, and it's it's very productive. So working with other artists and or architects and mm. bouncing around ideas can be a very creative process. Right. You have to be careful, though, because you if you are a little bit blank on something, you can end up plagiarizing and copying other people's right. work. So you've got to be very careful there. But people are, are very astute, and they can pick that up and pick that out. Yeah. And you and you can see that in yourself yeah. after a while. So you start developing your own ideas. And I guess
1: some of that could be completely unintentional. It's just like you say if, 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 when you mentioned being blank. If the, if the, if, the, if there isn't an idea you have anyway. It's very easy to, as you say, pick up on something or be influenced without recognising that that's actually happening. Very I, much, I would imagine. So it's not a deliberate well, think like that, but you just kind of get into something sits in your mind that may have been triggered by somebody else. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I could see how, how that might happen. Yeah. So
2: I was speaking to um, uh, you know a couple of other artists recently too, and um, it's you can be influenced from other art artists, um, and you. You can be influenced and you sort of develop or copy their style, but you find your own style in, right. the, in the end. Right. Uh, or you put your own slant on it. I had an artist in here yesterday who's been trained for Elam um, School Art, and she's an adult um, uh, student, and she's finding it very hard because she's said that you had to, she had to really open up her own emotions and her, her lifestyle and talk about you know, where she's come from and, and the whole spectrum of life. And, but it's a personal thing, art, and we express it you know, either through, you know, through, through paintings or sculpture. So that's what makes it unique, I think, is right. that personality that's coming out in that person. And we talked about uh, musical artists such such as Matthew Manners, um, you know, Eminem, and he was very successful because he talked all about the trouble in his life, yeah. uh, the problem he had with a, yeah. a divorce and um, uh, his child, um, bringing up his child in trouble with the law. And he was very successful in those first couple of albums. Yes, yeah. And so it's very much like an artist too. If, if something's troubled them in their life or they've had um, great experiences, then that, it's expressed you know, through their art. Um, and we've all walked around and go, oh God, you know, I could do that. Yeah, I'm sure you could, but um, it's someone else's idea, isn't it? Yeah. And I yeah. constantly get people suggesting, you know, an idea for my next piece of sculpture, but I sort of don't tell them, but. You can't really sell that piece then because you're explaining someone else's idea right. or their thought right. when you go and sell it. So yeah, it's got to right. be your own idea. And this and and, and what made me um, what's really made me come of age is doing this um, throwaway fix for the last sculpture on this, oh, this coffee cup. Now that was just an everyday object, and I've blown it up about twenty times. And I, but I saw the beauty in it, and I started to to read a lot more into that object. Um, that well, we all know and see. I saw a a young lady, uh, business in a business suit, rushing across the street with a coffee cup in one hand and an iPod phone in the other, and it was like an accessory in her in her hand, you know, the must thing thing to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I look down at your lovely iPhone, yeah. iPhone here, uh, <laughs> and so there she was, you know, business face, um, rushing to work, probably not even conscious, but in some ways she probably. Felt that she was ready for work, yes, because she had here she was this caffeine fix. So um, yeah, the, the well, business this, the, the,
1: the, there is good. it's almost like an anchor or, or, or a symbolism that says, right, I've got my phone, you know, I've yes. got my clothes on. Uh, something missing? Oh yeah, my coffee cup. Right, I've got my coffee cup, right, my coffee cup now. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, got so, my keys. So yeah, go, I've got my keys. I've got <laughs> <laughs> something in my hand that should be here, that's not. That's right. So it, it's interesting you mentioned that because it was just when I was walking up from, uh, uh, Begonia Road Beach this morning there was a uh, a chap walking with his uh, his son um, his his young son so his his young son by the hand uh, 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 sorry holding in one of his hands he's got his young son's hand as they're walking along in the other hand he's got the cardboard tray with more than one cup of coffee in it heading back towards the house from doing the morning coffee run so (laughs) just like he's you go wow that's really interesting so you have two things that potentially are really most important to him his son on one hand and his coffee on the other as he's heading off at home but that he's even doing it on holiday see that habit has stopped yeah yeah that's right it it stays with you (laughs) (laughs) so that I was just thinking um, the giant coffee cup is something that that people may well know you for um, because that was reasonably recent on the sculpture of the gulf and and it was quite a unique um, um, piece that was there in fact you've got a a mini version behind me uh, in here of a number of cups uh, uh, stacked there which is really interesting uh, thanks uh, yes Um, I don't know if they're your discards, by the way, that have just turned into art or have been deliberately created.
2: I to be careful there. So uh. Well, I have, I have made a small piece, and it's the size of a rubbish bin, and that's uh, that's a marquette model, a miniature model that I used to submit into the competition, and that was a requirement uh, for that ah, submission. All right. So. Um, yeah, and um, it, it was well received. And I've got a, I've got about uh, hundred um, coffee cups because um, I was sponsored by Debt Pack, the manufacturers of oh, the cup. Okay. And I've got about a hundred coffee coffee cups all strewn around the floor here, uh, probably just symbolise, you know, um, well, first of all, the, the beauty and the object and the colours and tones that they, they present, but just the how discarded they can be, and we've seen them fill up rubbish bins and only used once. So. I, I looked at the convenience of the object and now, and now looking at the inconvenience of the object. Right. Um, sure, some of them are bio cups and they've got cornstarch through them and they break down and um i'm going to be involved with the sustainability festival in a couple of weeks all right uh, because it's such a real nerve with them and i'm going to be one of their feature artists and we're going to use the coffee cup lid which i've got here in the studio
1: this is huge this is this is massive so again as i I often say to people doing the show and talking about art on the radio is kind of like you know what do you do other than say come down and have a look so um, just as we as we go to look at this, you're here till
2: I'm here till Sunday. I pack up, and then the next artist moves in. Yes, uh,
1: but then you'll be at the uh, sustainability fair. That's right. Which and that's the uh,
2: 16th, 16th to the 22nd, 22nd. and the 22nd second will have the um, my couple of my pieces. I hope there.
1: Ah, brilliant! Because because then, and I think the 22nd is the same day we have at the station, our uh, CD and record fair as well. Oh, great. This this coffee lid is like it's massive. I it's about the size of a giant tractor tire. Right? <laughs> but it's um, it's got the dimple. T- I mean, it's just it is just like the top of a coffee mug. It's just superb. What's it? Is it fiberglass? What's the? Um, That's the, right.
2: It is fiberglass. And there's always three uh, processes to in fiberglass manufacture. You you make a, a plug, which is the actual shape of um, what you want developed. And then you take a mould off that, and the mould was the reverse, in this case they call it a female mould, because it's like a cup, and then you take the product out of that. So it was a big process doing the coffee cup, because we're just looking at the lid here, and there was the body also to make, and there was also the base to make. So I had about nine pieces that I'd actually had to manufacture in fibreglass. And it took me well over 250 hours. Wow. Now, we wow. got a bit of money through Sculpture in the Gulf. We got a couple of thousand each artists to build that. And I was lucky to get a bit of sponsorship through the manufacturer of the cup, yeah. who I wish they had bought it. I them. was just
1: going to ask, did, did they? Because you'd think it would be perfect for them to have oh, some part of their office look, complex
2: or something. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, it, a, we uh, had a space for television. it. They, it was their head office in Albany, and it uh, would look great outside there, but... Uh, they were worried about vandalism and um, they were down a cul-de-sac and the roads bring some attention to boy races on the weekend so they were worried about it being vandal- vandalised. And... You know, look at the have size. Had it as a boy
1: racer's cup. They could have, <laughs> <laughs> fastest round the cul-de-sac. Maybe I should older. do a Red,
2: a red Bull one. Get to hold the you know. cup from it. Well, there you go. Be yeah, yeah, yeah. A V or something, a or, or a, one of these yeah. Elky Pops for boy yeah. racers. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going to encourage drinking and driving, are we? No, we're not. No, we
1: certainly do not. Not in the island or anywhere else <laughs> other than that. Quite right. So, sorry, So that, that was it. Yeah, right. So you've still obviously got the cup.
2: Yes, yes. Um, it's sitting at home with the tarpaulin under it, over it, and... Um, I must admit, I haven't been actively trying to sell it. I mean, it can't. I mean, a lot of people suggest I should sell it to a coffee shop, but look, it's it's not really a billboard. Yeah. It would become a billboard yeah. then. Um, it really needs to be a, a piece, you know, design that's set in its own setting, cast away, thrown. You know, it would look great in a, in a small piece of bush or uh, perhaps an olive grove or something right. like that, out yeah. of
1: place. Yeah.
2: Like um, someone's coming and you're dropped a, it from a, the sky
1: kind of stumble across it and, and suddenly you go that's oh, right
2: oh, there and there was know, a, there yeah. was that great surprise factor on, that, on the sculpture on the golf you know I was out there on the last day and um, listening and watching people's reactions and it was great and they'd come up over this this little knoll and they see this cup and had a bit of a giggle to themselves and yeah. it was one of the most photographed pieces too there were girls going up and hugging it or people trying to trying to drink it like you know you, oh, you push against the leaning tower pizza there were people you, trying yeah. to you know, uh, simulate a, a photo with their mates trying to hold it. And like you do
1: pretending you're holding the tower in your palm of your hand yes. to sort a of whopping far enough so it appears as if you're, yeah. the, the Tower of London or something is, a, is in the middle of your palm. Or the Absolutely. For of, yeah, yeah, and
2: yeah. I've got this great right. photo in the window here of a guy holding up a baby um, trying to drink out of the, the lid of the cup here too. So uh, that was actually yeah. uh, a photo that's that was in the Golf News. That's the Golf News like, at
1: the moment, wasn't it? Last week's one. Yeah, yeah. It's a fabulous picture. I never there, got the it? name it's of the yes, guy gorgeous. or
2: the baby but um, he just the baby down and i i ran up to him and i said oh could you please just do that again so it's slightly posed but believe me he had just done it so uh. yeah, yeah,
1: so all of those the, the, sorry no babies were harmed in the making of that photograph no That's no a, yeah, yeah it's such a great fit, picture too now brett you do other um mediums not just uh fiberglass so you have some wood items here as well is that correct is, is, yes is,
2: yeah i recently put a piece into the uh, christmas show at the waiki art gallery and so I just wanted to show, off, I guess, my, a bit of my skill and prowess in, in timber work. So this is a, my, my adaptation of a Christmas tree, and it's on a long timber post which I've done some timber veneer work on, and uh, it's got a nice little fiberglass uh, tree at the top that um, is lit up, and it's leaned precariously against the corner of the wall. And it was, it was something when we grew up, um, you know, the Christmas trees. You know, years ago, went we that perfectly manicured. Yeah. Dad would, Dad would yeah. go down and cut off a tree, off a pine tree, and was often curved and it leaned against the wall. We didn't even have a bucket sometimes to put in and Jesus, yeah. they look pretty sad. <laughs> and uh, and, and you, you look at fairy lights or you know what we had back then. I don't think they even existed. I mean, yeah. we had to sort of decoration. I'm not saying we came from a poor family, but we didn't have the places like the warehouse or the two dollars shop. Or, That's right. Yes, yeah. and um, so I've, I've got this. Um, this tree that leans in the corner of of the wall here to simulate that and it's got a little rubber ball at the bottom so it stops it from sliding on timber floor and um, my dad and I would joke well I made the comment one year that there wasn't a lot of Christmas presents under the tree and uh, dad said well he couldn't fit them under there so i started pruning away the branches at the bottom <laughs> <Stark>. <laughs> yeah and own, he thought know? i was a bit cheeky and that's what the christmas tree looks like there's a quite a long stem on yeah, it yeah, with a little yeah. little fiberglass christmas tree at the top yeah. so um the christmas tree at the top looks a bit like a pine cone it's got about 100 little leaves on it that's that's that, um, um, oh thank you it nearly sold actually um yeah whitey, um, and they nearly bought it but they oh, right. yeah they wanted it freestanding and uh, yeah sort of it was a bit hard to sort of achieve that yeah and it sort of took yeah. away
1: and what it was
2: about. Uh, yeah, yeah. and it and it brings me on yeah. probably another subject too you've got to be honest to to your art and um, you know putting a coffee cup outside a coffee shop or or, or changing your changing design yeah. to suit another situation you you can and you can't it's, I don't know it's the, the evil dollar of the day whether you want to do that
1: it, it's, a, it's an interesting one because I, I uh, remember listening to a uh, New Zealand artist talking about um, commission work. So the difference between a, a, a piece that's created, so like you say you create a piece like The Christmas Tree, and then I come along and go, wow, I really like that. Can, can you give me one of those but make it square and, and paint it pink because that would really look good in the lounge? And you kind of go, well, uh, no, I don't think so. There must come a, a, a point, as you say, you just go, well well thanks and, yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's very true I think perhaps the artists cover their base
2: and they do a whole series of work um, you looked at Annie Warhol and you did the Marilyn Monroe and the Tong um pop art series and you look at those Mousy um, Tung um, ones in all very different colours um, they all have different, very different meanings to them so perhaps you know like you know, someone comes in and they see an orange background that looks quite nice so without being you know offensive the artist perhaps does a series to sort yeah. of please yeah. other yeah. other thoughts or processes yeah. on yeah. that painting I mean I've seen I look at my christmas tree now and I, I think I could have done I'm not saying I might say i could have done it better but I could have done it differently and I could have put some other interpretation into it so it's uh, quickly and easily understood yeah um, so it's it's, it's grace it holds it's this whole sculpture in the golf for me is really sets the ball rolling I mean I come from first as a boat builder and then an architectural background and so i don't do this full time um but i'd like to carry it on and start selling my work that's for sure and developing it a lot more.
1: so what is a space like this one at the incubator what does that do for you because i guess you you have a studio yourself somewhere i
2: have a very small one it's about the size of a single garage under my house but that's enough because you can have too much or too little and um and you become quite um, a tidy and neat person if it's right. if it's small right. um, and you finish works and get them out the door so if, does
1: it make a difference for you being here for a week I mean it does not it,
2: it does a little it, it puts my face out there and um, you've sort of got a captured order, audience that's for sure um, it's opened up a few more doors like yourself you know you popped by the other day and uh, the sustainability festival if I hadn't chatted to the, my neighbours here in the other shops and um you know, I, I would never be in, be involved. Yep. They would have never approached me otherwise. Right. Or yourself. Um, and you know, I've met a couple of artists that were milling around, and we talked about different techniques and um, casting, uh, something I'd like to try and get into, oh, okay. and, and even silk screening. So it, it, it really is it, it's um, it's a fantastic opportunity and um, as long as you're open and listen to other people's ideas and you know welcoming you can stop work any time um, you know I have my, my drawing board and my computer set up here so um, if there's a time when I just don't want to do any design or, or do the sculpture work then um you know, I can go on the internet or do a bit of drafting or something like that. Or yeah. just play around. And I have been playing around. And it's quite creative for that. I've got a number of timber veneers in here. And I was cutting them into strips to try and make a couple of little architectural models. And I started uh, plating up a bit of a, bit of a, um, that's, a the pla- that's the lace work. that's sort of yes.
1: the lacework. Yes. I just work on the screen. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that came out of that. <laughs> it
2: was, uh, oh, it was, um, I think it was, um... It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, I was pretty tired and uh, I didn't want to close the shop straight away here, so yeah. I had to do something, it was a bit of a, a stocking filler or
1: something. <laughs> 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 See, it's <laughs> behind the Christmas tree, is a very apt way of filling it. <laughs>
2: and, and being a sculptor and working with your hands is that great opportunity because you s- you start to create just out of... Out of nothing out of, out of rubbish Yeah, and, and and the coffee cup was an everyday object, it was a found object and um, you could say it was a discarded piece of rubbish and uh, I saw the beauty in it and it's very tactile and uh, the corrugations on it sort of held in your hand nicely and it was something yeah, it was quite nice about yeah, yeah. rubbing it and feeling it. And I like the with,
1: the, uh, with the sustainability uh, uh, guys as well, it's, it's almost like um, you could, if there was a space, you could put the coffee cup, and it was like, fill the coffee cup with coffee cups. So, yes. like over the summer, it was uh, see how many discarded ones can be collected. That's a great um, idea. And then the sustainability guys can kind of recycle it or get rid of them. But the, the call goes out to the island, which is bring your coffee cups to here to, uh, to, to discard them, which could be fun. So, would you do this again? Would you come into an incubator space like this again? Or a public space, I guess, an open space? Yes, absolutely
2: absolutely i'd encourage it. i'd probably even pay rent actually this is uh, free to us and uh, <laughs> no no um, you know it's been a great experience and it's my um, thursday today and i only have uh, three more days and i wish i, was, I had a lot more work here um, yeah. to try and try and sell um or just, but i've been starting start about five pieces which is great and i know starting those five pieces they'll they'll now be finished when I take them home
1: so where will people where can people see I mean obviously they can see your work here yes right now have you still got some up at the gallery or, or did the tree came out of the, the
2: community gallery did it that's right
1: so is there anywhere else at the moment they can see some of your pieces no I haven't really
2: set up a studio at home what I'm going to keep doing is um Keep close contact with the art gallery here in Lynn Chambers and any future uh, ex- um, um, exhibits coming up, I'm going to make sure I put a piece in there. And right. you've, got, you've got to get yourself out there. Yeah. And um, yeah, and deadlines are quite good for those gallery exhibits because it forces you to put something else. Right. Otherwise, being a part-time um, artist, you can quite waff- waffle along a little bit and don't take too seriously. Gotcha. And um, you want to make pieces that you can sell because, um, well, materials aren't cheap. And uh, just encourages you to do more. Yeah. I, I started off with doing a lot of photography, and um, you all know as photography's in those early days, you know, buying a roll of film and getting it developed. I mean, it was, was, wasn't cheap. It was very expensive, and I used to follow around motor racing quite a bit, and I had to do something about it. I had to start selling my photos, so I'd take photos of these guys motor racing, and, uh, um, you know, they just wanted a photo of them going right. fast yeah. around the corner. Right. Oh, so it was a great help, and then I could, you know... Buy another camera, or buy another lead. Yeah. and it's a bit like with um this as well. You know, yeah. I want to buy more materials so I have them readily available, and uh, yeah, perhaps one day, perhaps a bigger studio, build a bigger studio.
1: So at, at the moment till Sunday, people can come down to the incubator and have a look, and, and it's just it's lovely stuff. A hey, the physical pieces here, but then also you've got illustrations. You see, you some pictures um, of some of the other pieces of work as well, which is just fantastic. Thanks. Um, and also at the uh, sustainability fair so that's the 16th to 22nd yes. the cup's going to be out about on the 22nd is that correct that's right i'll probably just have the lid there the lid there but we're right. going to we're going to do
2: something on the lid uh, yeah we're going to do some graffiti or some uh, emblems on that
1: nice so then people can also have a chat with you down there as well which will be great but the thing to do is uh, pop into the incubator center down here at artworks before sunday catch up with you there which will be great and if people want to get you by phone uh, can they contact you absolutely Uh, what number can they get you on if they want to have a chat about the cup or anything else
2: 372-6162 372-6162 that's That's my home number and you can get me anytime. time I'll leave a message on the phone
1: fantastic Brett Look, thank you so much um, um, for spending me the time it's been really interesting and uh, we'll probably see you at the uh, the fair I'll look out for the lid terrific (laughs) thanks a lot
3: Waiheke Radio, your local radio station.
1: Variations on a theme with Mark Smith, where your intrepid DJ takes you down some of the lesser-known backwaters of the classical music repertoire. Join me on Sundays at 11 o'clock on Waiheke Radio.
0: The Anything Artie Show, every Thursday from 8 till 9 on Waiheke Radio. and 107.4 FM. That's the Anything Arty show sponsored by the artist Goldsmith Studio Connections on EROA. Call in to see Christine's latest designs or phone 372-7809 to discuss a commission.
1: Yes, and thanks to Christine and David for sponsoring the show. You can find them at uh, Studio Connections, the artist goldsmith in there at Studio Connections, Ocean View Road. Um, And there's always something worth having a look at in the cabinet, Um, some of Christine's stunning work. So next time you're along Ocean View Road at Studio Connections, pop in and have a look. So we started the show with a conversation with Brett Oakes up at the incubator space, the new space at the Artworks Centre. And if there's any of you out there interested in becoming part of that uh, project, then you can get hold of uh, Nancy Thompson on 021-223-8753. That's 021-223-8753. All right, now let's uh, have a look at what's on at the movies.
2: Waiheke Island Community Cinema presents This Week at the Movies.
1: And we've got on Friday, we've got Red Dog. That's a new movie that started, um, oh, it's starting Thursday tonight, um, which is an Australian movie, and it's based on a, um, a real red dog, <laughs> uh, a, a Kelpie cattle cross dog. Um, it's a bit like an Australian version of Lassie Come Home. Uh, uh great tale, uh, a legendary tale now, in fact, in Australia, in, um, about a, uh, uh, a red Dog that travelled uh, across um, Western Australia trying to get back to his long lost master um, so that's on uh, Red Dog that's on on Friday at 11 um, what else is on on Friday, Happy Feet 2 is still going, When a City Falls Midnight in Paris, they're all Midnight in Paris looks an interesting one um, a bit of fun there um, Saturday, Happy Feet 2 Contagion Melancholia then Sunday, Happy Feet, Red Dog, Submarine, still going Midnight in Paris again. Monday, Red Dog, Happy Feet, Peanut and Submarine. Tuesday, the tenth, Happy Feet two, still Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part One, still going Midnight in Paris once more. And the Tuesday doco now. This is a uh, first time up. Um, it might be not sorry. It may continue um, on a series. I'm not sure it's called The Creation's Record Story. The Creation Records Story and it's about Creation Records this was a, uh, a, a music label it's, not, it's, a, it's an out and out documentary so this is not a, uh, a movie adaptation if you like of the uh, life and times of Creation Records it's just a straight out doco but it's, it's a really really interesting so if you are interested in Uh, Bands such as Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, Primal Scream Oasis, they were three of the bands that they kind of signed in uh, fairly quick succession that put them on the map. It was uh, founded in the early 80s by um, a Glaswegian, Alan McGee, certainly Alan who was um, born in Glasgow. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just going to be a, it's a very well-researched movie, uh, just going to be really interesting. So that's starting, that's the, uh, Creation Records story, uh, Tuesday the 10th, and then Wednesday, Red Dog, Happy Feet 2, Melancholia, and Midnight in Paris. So all those movies are running on our island's very own Waiheke Island Community Cinema, up here at Artworks. And you can get them on 372-4240. That's 372-4240. So that's what's on at the movies at the moment. And, uh, oh, something else is on right now. Uh, well, not right now, but starting on Saturday the 7th, is My Name is Red. And I mentioned last week um, I popped into Tivoli and had a chat with Liz Eastman, who is not long back from a, a trip overseas. And on her travels, she had gone to Istanbul. And whilst there, she has picked up a collection of uh, miniature paintings. Uh, they're often called uh, uh, illuminations, not as in with a light bulb, but as in the way that they have been drawn. And these are quite fascinating pieces of work that range anywhere from uh, the uh, early 19th century uh, right through to uh, much more recent work. And they're going to be on display from Saturday the 7th uh, on the wall there. So pop on into Tivoli and have a look at those. So coming up to the uh, final offering of the show tonight, and that's some uh, book readings from the Penguin Bloggers Club. But just before we head into that, we'll have a uh, quick look at the weather, what's coming up likely for the weekend and also for the marine forecast. Waiheke weather update brought to you by Waiheke Visitor Information Centre. So, quick look, and this is this is quite good because we we can check and see how uh, how good the Met service is. So, if you're listening to it on Thursday, um, then so this is uh, forecast for Thursday, fifth of January, twenty twelve, um, and essentially uh, tomorrow. Friday the 6th is going to be uh, cloudy but sunshine, Saturday and Sunday is going to be cloudy and wet. Um, so we can check out, if you're listening to the show again on Sunday at 1 o'clock, you can find out how accurate the Met Service is, if it is actually wet and cloudy. Uh, so let's have also have a look at the uh, marine forecast. So this is Manica Harbour, this is uh, valid till midnight Friday 6th of January. Um, variable 5 knots, southwest, 10 knots developing in the afternoon, becoming northeast, 10 knots in the evening. Smooth sea becoming slight in the afternoon, fine breaks increasing. Waitamata Harbour, Friday, variable 5 knots, northeast, 15 knots, developing late morning, smooth sea becoming slight late morning, fine breaks increasing. And for Hauraki Golf, Beamhead Cape Colville on Friday, uh, this is the sixth of January, it's gonna be northerly ten knots, rising to northeast fifteen knots in late morning, sea slight cloudy periods, fair visibility in few showers from afternoon. Then the outlook for Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So this is going to be the sixth, seventh and eighth. Uh, sorry, seventh, eighth and ninth of January. Um, Saturday becoming south, east 15 knots, 25 knots in outer gulf in the morning, rising to southerly 25 knots, 35 knots in outer gulf in the evening, occasional rain. Sunday becoming south, east 15 knots, 25 knots in in outer gulf later, occasional rain. And Monday, northeast 20 knots, occasional rain. Um, So there we are, that's the uh, recreational marine forecast for the next few days. Waiheke Visitor Information Centre, arranging all your off-island travel and accommodation needs. Drop into the Visitor Information Centre at Oniroa Village or call them on 372-1234 or go to wwwwaiheke Right, now time for our last offering of the evening here on the Anything Artist Show, Waiheke Radio 88.3 and 107.4 FM. Thanks to the artist Goldsmith for sponsoring the show and looking after us. You can find uh, Christine's work at Studio Connections in Ocean View Road on Eroa. And a uh, change of plan for the end of the show. I was going to go to the uh, Penguin Bloggers Club uh, for some book readings, but I'll hold those over till next week or the week after. Uh, we're going to hear from um, author Rebecca Sonnet on a, uh, a series of essays that she did. On the blue, it was called the blue of distance. It's a really interesting view of how blue was used to create distance, and, and uh, at what period in history um, this distance uh, and looking to use blue to create distance actually began to come into effect. Now we'll be hearing from um, Rebecca herself, uh, just talking through some of her essays on the subject. Um, the, the reading style is. Uh, interesting so if you can bear with that the content is fascinating so um this is the blue distance by rebecca Sonic and you can hear the show again on sunday one o'clock uh you can check it out at the website nz. look for the show page and also the podcast will be up within the next couple of days so till next week
3: bye now the world is blue at its edges and in its depths this blue is the light that got lost Light at the blue end of the spectrum does not travel the whole distance from the sun to us. It disperses among the molecules of the air. It scatters in water. Water is colorless. Shallow water appears to be the color of whatever lies underneath it. But deep water is full of the scattered light. The purer the water, the deeper the blue. The sky is blue for the same reason the blue at the horizon, the blue of land that seems to be dissolving into the sky... ...is a deeper, dreamier, melancholy blue... ...the blue at the farthest reaches of the places where you see for miles... ...the blue of distance. This light that does not touch us does not travel the whole distance... ...the light that gets lost gives us the beauty of this world... ...so much of which is in the color blue. For many years I've been moved by the blue at the far edge of what can be seen that color of horizons, of remote mountain ranges, of anything far away. The color of that distance is the color of an emotion, the color of solitude and of desire, the color of there seen from here, the color of wherever you are not, and the color of where you can never go. For the blue is not in the place those miles away at the horizon, but in the atmospheric distance between you and the mountains. Longing, says the poet Robert Haas, because desire is full of endless distances. Blue is the color of longing for the distances you never arrive in, for the blue world. One soft, humid early spring morning, driving a winding road across Mount Tamalpais, the 2,500-foot mountain just north of the Golden Gate Bridge, a band revealed a sudden vision of San Francisco in shades of blue, a city in a dream, and I was filled with a tremendous yearning to live in that place of blue hills and blue buildings. Though I do live there, I had just left there after breakfast. The brown coffee and yellow eggs and green traffic lights filled me with no such desire. And besides, I was looking forward to going hiking on the mountain's west slope on my way to the funeral. We treat desire as a problem to be solved, address what desire is for, and focus on that something and how to acquire it rather than on the nature and the sensation of desire. Though often it is the distance between us and the object of desire that fills the space in between with the blue of longing, I wonder sometimes whether with a slight adjustment of perspective it could be cherished as a sensation on its own terms, since it is inherent to the human condition as blue is to distance. If you can own your longing in the same way that you own the beauty of that blue that can never be possessed... For suddenly of this longing will, like the blue of distance, only be relocated, not assuaged, by acquisition and arrival, just as a mountain ceases to be blue when you arrive among them, and the blue instead tints the next beyond. Somewhere in this is the mystery of why tragedies are more beautiful than comedies, and why we take a huge pleasure in the sadness of certain songs and stories. Something is always far away. The mystic Simone Weil wrote to a friend on another continent, Let us love this distance which is thoroughly woven with friendship, since those who do not love each other are not separated. For Weil, love is the atmosphere that fills and colors the distance between herself and her friend. Even when that friend arrives on the doorstep, something remains impossibly remote. When you step forward to embrace them, your arms are wrapped around mystery, around the unknowable, around that which cannot be possessed. The far seeps in, even to the nearest. After all, we hardly know our own depths. In the 15th century, European painters began to paint the blue of distance. Earlier artists had not been much concerned with the faraway in their art. Sometimes a solid wall of gold backed up the saints and patrons. Sometimes a space curved around as though the earth were indeed a sphere, but we were on its inside. Painters became more concerned with verisimilitude, with a rendition of the world as it appeared to the human eye. And in those days, when the art of perspective was just arriving, they seized upon the blue of distance as another means of giving depth and dimension to their work. Often the band of blue towards the horizon seems exaggerated. It extends too far forward. It is too abrupt a change in color. It is too blue, as though they were exulting in the phenomenon by overdoing it. Below the sky, above the putative subject of the painting, in the spaces before the horizon, they would paint a small blue world, Blue sheep, blue shepherd, blue house, blue hills, blue road, and blue cart. You see it again and again, the blue expanse that begins at the level of Christ crucified in Solario's fifteen oh three painting, that extends beyond the ruins before which a beautiful virgin admires her sleeping son, laid in a robe of brighter blue, in a painting from the studio of Raphael. See in Nicolo della Abate's painting of fifteen seventy one showing a blue town and blue sky behind a classical grouping of what looks like graces incongruously, nonchalantly, pulling Moses from some rushes, and a lush river whose color seems to come from the background, like leaching dye. It's there in both Italian and northern paintings. In Ham, Hans Memling's Triptych of the Resurrection, circa 1490, the toes and robe hem of a levitating figure are ascending out of the frame, daringly cropped like a figure in a photograph, Though there are no photographs of miracles Below, a group of brown-haired figures looks upward Their hands raised in prayer and astonishment Just above their heads is the near shore of a lake The lake is blue, and beyond it are blue hills As though there are three realms The heaven whose sunset colors the floating figure is entering The many-colored earth below And the faraway blue realm that is neither Not part of this Christian duality the effect is even more pronounced in Joachim Patinir's famous painting of St. Jerome in the wilderness, made about thirty years later. Jerome crouches in a ragged-roofed hovel before a pile of deep gray rocks, and behind him much of the world is blue, blue river, blue rocks, blue hills, as though here in exile not from civilization, but from this particular celestial shade. One year of drought, the great salt lake fell so low that much of what was ordinarily sea became land, and I went out walking on it towards Antelope Island, which floated above its reflection, a symmetrical solid object like a precious stone floating in that blueness. Miles and miles of what had not long ago been lake had become a puzzle patchwork of shallow pools and damp and dry sand. Shallow lagoons of clear water, long fingers of sand that stretched towards the island and its reflection, and the deeper blue water beyond. Sometimes the sandbars ended in water, and I had to find another way forward, but I could more or less walk directly toward the island for the miles and hours I was out— I walked across ground that was sometimes ribbed sand, sometimes smooth, that sometimes caved in underfoot, as though there were pockets of air underneath, that sometimes squelched so that my footprints were surrounded by paler sand where the water had been pressed away by my weight. With that long line of footprints unfurling behind me, I couldn't get literally lost, but I lost track of time, becoming lost in that other way that isn't about dislocation, but about the immersion where everything else falls away. "'Sometimes there were small sprays of brown oak leaves on the ground, "'though there were no trees anywhere within sight, and shore was far away. "'Sometimes sodden crumpled clots of feather and bone "'that had once been bird-set on the strand. "'How the leaves arrived, how the birds died, was unfathomable, "'that word meaning depths that cannot be plumbed. "'Behind me, etched high into the rocks and mountains beyond the great salt lake, "'was the waterline of Lake Bonneville, "'which had been so much bigger, so much deeper.' long ago in a wetter air on earth, when redwoods grew in Arizona and Death Valley was likewise a lake. Ten thousand years or more have passed since that lake ceased to exist, but its ring all around the landscape insisted that where I walked was once deep underwater, just as the flotsam and soft sand reminded me that not so long ago I could have rowed or swum where I was walking. This was new land, temporary land, that would be drowned in winter, and years might pass before it would be walkable again, or centuries. Antelope Island, golden in the harsh light, would get larger and clearer as I walked, but always remain ahead like a dream or a hope. The water that remained was pale blue, and on that scorching October afternoon, a pale sky met it far away, the distinction between water and air hard to make out. When I first began to write, I'd been a child for most of my life, and my childhood memories were vivid and potent, the forces that shaped me. Most of them have grown fainter with time, and whenever I write one down, I give it away. It ceases to have the shadowy life of memory and becomes fixed in letters. It ceases to be mine, it loses that mobile unreliability of the live. A person in her twenties has been a child for most of her life, but as time goes by, that portion that is childhood becomes smaller and smaller, more and more distant, more and more faded. Though they say at the end of life, the beginning returns with renewed vividness, as though you had sailed all the way around the world and were going back into the darkness from which you came. For the elderly, often the nearby and recent become vague, and only the far away in time and space is vivid. For children, it's a distance that holds little interest. Gary Paul Nabham writes about taking his children to the Grand Canyon, where he realized, as he puts it, how much time adults spend scanning the landscape for picturesque panoramas and scenic overlooks. While the kids were on their hands and knees, engaged with what was immediately before them, we adults traveled by abstraction. He adds that whenever they approached a promontory, his son and daughter would abruptly release their hands from mine to scour the ground for bones, pine cones, sparkly sandstone, feathers, or wildflowers. There is no distance in childhood, for a baby, a mother, in another room is gone forever, for a child the time until a birthday is endless. Whatever is absent is impossible, irretrievable, unreachable. Their mental landscape is like that of the medieval paintings, a foreground full of vivid things, and then a wall. The blue of distance comes with time, with the discovery of melancholy, of loss, the texture of longing, the complexity of the terrain we traverse, and with the years of travel. If sorrow and beauty are all tied up together, then perhaps maturity brings with it not what Nabham calls abstraction, but an aesthetic sense that partially redeems the losses time brings and finds beauty in the far away. Antelope Island grew closer and closer, larger and clearer. But finally there was a point at which there was no going onward. or Perhaps there was, but it would have meant swimming in that sea, that even in its usual state is far saltier than the ocean, and in this drought must have been intensely concentrated. I can imagine another version of that journey in which I stripped and swam, burning my back and bobbing like a cork to the island, but I do not know what I would have done upon arrival. And I'm not sure the island was meant to be arrived at, for up close, its glowing gold would have dissolved into scrub and soil. When I'd gone as far as I could walk, I looked down, and the scalloped edges of land and water lost scale and looked like the world seen from an airplane. Airplane flights are usually from city to city, but in between are the untrodden realms to which you can only give approximate labels somewhere in Newfoundland, somewhere in Nebraska, or the Dakotas. For miles up in the sky, The land looks like a map of itself, but without any of the points of reference that make maps make sense. The oxbows and mesas out the window are anonymous, unfathomable, a map without words. I found out that the wish that the airplane would do an emergency landing in one of them them is widespread among those who go from city to city on their work. These nameless places awake a desire to be lost, to be far away, a desire for that melancholy wonder that is the blue of distance. And that day at the Great Salt Lake, as I looked at my feet, even those feet seemed a great distance away, in this terrain without scale, in which the near and the far folded into each other, in which puddles were oceans and sand ridges, mountain ranges. I walked back, the island behind me, and before me the ruinous salt palace, where the truck awaited, back into the world of ordinary clutter. But near where i had started, there was one more surprise in that landscape, a series of shallow indentations where water had dried into salt crystals. One was a carpet of roses, one a heap of straws, one a field of snowflakes, all made of muddy salt, that when I tried to cut away a small cluster of the pale brown roses to take with me, they immediately became less beautiful. Some things we have only as long as they remain lost. Some things are not lost only so long as they are distant.